1: Good morning Cleveland! It's Series 3, Episode 2, Day 2 of Training Camp and I'm here with Ian Wright right, right. Ian, I got you an intro this time.
0: You know, that just makes me so happy. It just, there was just a big piece missing from our show yesterday and it was that intro, so thank you Paul. I did
1: edit, I did, I did edit the show and I definitely said Ian Wright at the start, but I probably didn't give you enough love. It's alright, no worries. Well, basically, Jack's not on the show today because he is looking after Claude. He cannot leave Claude alone, so he's not on the podcast today.
0: Listen, he's going to learn these first few weeks. They annoy during the night, sleep during the day, and just piss all over the house.
1: Yep. But we're a Brown's Podcast. We're not a French Bulldog Podcast. But Claude is a dog, so uh, spelled D-A-W-G or however you spell it. Let's talk about day two. The training ground, I've watched it, you've watched it. I think the headlines is Odell look good. What's your thoughts on Odell, Ian?
0: When Odell is healthy, there are very few players in the league that have the skill set he does. I mean, he's got Spider-Man-like hands. He's got the ability to run after the catch. He is an elite wide receiver. And when he's healthy and he's hitting on all cylinders – there are very few people in the league that are better than Odell Beckham Jr.
1: Let's go off pace, Dan. If you had a choice, Julio Jones or Odell in your team, who would you go with?
0: Ooh, on this Browns team, I would probably take Odell, and it's simply because I like his ability to be a little bit more of a variant route runner. So the nice part about Julio is he can just overpower you. I mean, he is an absolute mammoth. With Odell, it's a little bit more of the finesse route. So if you notice, the Browns are going to be rolling the pocket, play action, stuff like that. I think I like Odell's skill set a little bit better than Julio Jones, but that's obviously just because of the offense.
1: I didn't see much of uh, Landry today. Um, do you see much of it?
0: I didn't. I, don't, I think they're probably taking it nice and easy with him. Uh, you're not going to see him going full out day after day. So I, I, yeah. I think I can see him in the background, honestly.
1: Yeah, Some other, let's, just, let's start with the wide receivers. Jojo Natson. He was with the Rams, I believe, yep. did a bit of research when they had their Super Bowl push. And he was getting some reps with the first, you know, quite interesting. Okay, we haven't got pads on t- at the moment, but quite interesting he's getting reps with the first team.
0: So he's kind of one of those on-the-bubble guys, right? Because they bring him in, they give him a million-dollar deal, It's there's not a lot of guaranteed money in it, so... Mike Prefer was a big fan of JoJo, even when the Browns played the Rams. Talked about him a lot. So this is a guy that comes in, has a very unique skill set. He's not a very big guy. You know, was he, like 5'8", 5'9", 160? He is just shifty like a joystick. So you're going to have the tale of two returners between him and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is obviously a 6'2", 200-pound guy. It's just one of those things where Natsen has to do something other than just return punts. So if you can figure out a way to maybe get them in a skill set of plays where you use them on an end around or a bubble screen or something like that. So I think that's more just the fact that the Browns were trying to keep the reps low. But, you know, it's good to see them out there. Peoples Jones, unhappy,
1: had a bit of beef with, um, I think, Kevin Johnson, Kevin Johnson. Yeah?
0: yeah. Yeah. He threw he threw some hands there. Uh, let's be a little smarter than that, Donovan. I get it. He's a rookie. Just be smarter. You don't want to break a hand, break a finger. I get it. You're only in a few days of camp, which some of the old veterans will tell you that uh, this is nothing compared to what they had to do. Let's just be smarter. So, But I thought uh, Stefanski handled it pretty well.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Other wide receivers, I didn't see anything else. Any other wide receivers, Sean, for you today?
0: In terms of the – in terms of the actual offense, I mean, obviously Odell had a couple nice catches over the middle. Um, there was, I mean, it was a pretty – the one thing I just noticed is, is a lot of movement. You know, you had the pocket movement. They were really emphasizing kind of that zone outside running game, bootlegs, play actions. So you're going to see a lot of stuff on the move. And that's kind of what I, I – really my big, biggest takeaway from practice today was. Yeah.
1: looking at the O-line, Teller, right guard number one, Dunn, right guard number two. He was with the second.
0: They just brought him in. So Casey Dunn, who I also think uh, can play center. So you're looking at a little versatility there. So Evan Brown I saw taking snaps with the second team. You had um, Nick Harris taking snaps with the first team. So they're just trying to get, like I said, some of these versatility guys in there, get them some reps, see what they can. You know, What's his name? Uh, Bill Callahan had said at the beginning of camp, I'm sorry, at the end of last year, before camp, he really thought the right guard was on the team already. He had some things of praise to say about Wyatt Teller. So it's good to see him out there uh, getting some reps. It's his job to lose.
1: Yeah, and then the last thing was uh, Jedrick Wills had a false start, so he was replaced. So uh, getting mini-punished already.
0: It's more about, hey, come off here you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think Callahan was there to kind of maybe chat with him a little bit. So the one thing, and we can touch on it briefly, but I really like just the way the coaching staff is going about it, the pace that they're running at practice. You know, this is something where not a lot of teams have background in how to run the types of practices under the, you know, the current state that the world is in. So, I really like the organization that the Browns were running things as, and if that's one of those things where Pat Callahan has to pull him aside and say, "Hey, what did you see? Why did you jump? Like, talk me through that." I got no problems with that.
1: Yeah, I'll try and stay focused with the O line. Batonio Bet- said uh, we obviously want uh, JC Tretter playing in the first game, but they're making plans with Nick Harris as well. Um, if Tretter can't be there week one,
0: Tretter's a top, you know, top half of the uh, the league in terms of being a center. Obviously, he would be a big piece missed. I just, I don't see it being one of those things where in a month, we're still worrying about a guy who got cleaned out a little bit from some loose uh, bodies in his knee. Yeah, the running backs, I thought um, Hunt looked super quick. Looked like the guy that could lead the league in rushing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, eh? We could have uh, Chubb and Hunt, two great running backs, but not in everyone's uh, number one fantasy uh, teams, eh?
0: You know, I'm a, I'm an avid fantasy uh, contributor or player, I should say, and it's going to be a tough one. I know there's people out there that are valuing both of them, but there's only so many reps. There's only so many touches.
1: Yeah, and then the drop off behind that, you got Hilliard. You've got is it B May?
0: You got Benny Benny Lemay from Charlotte. LeMay. Yep.
1: And, and it, any other any other running backs in there or not really?
0: Um, you have Dearness Johnson, uh, Dontrell Hilliard, Benny LeMay. Those are going to be your kind of three guys. They got rid of Brian Harrion. Um, He was one of the ones that they brought in from Georgia. Actually knew Nick Chubb back then. But for the most part, those are going to be the three guys taking a fight at that.
1: Yeah. And something we discussed uh, offline was and Joe You didn't see a lot of him out there.
0: You know, I see him there with the ones. I don't know what he's doing. Now, Browns aren't going to show you everything that's going on. Obviously, Austin Hooper and Baker have a little bit more of a, a connection right now. It's something that we see more often. I know that uh, Harrison Bryant was another one that had a big catch today. So you like good seeing him out there. I mean, he's just – he looks big. I mean, you can tell he's six five. I mean, he is a big guy. There's no doubt about that.
1: Um, I saw uh, on the tight ends um... – Princeton, Carlson, uh, out Even there a Carlson. little
0: bit.
1: Yeah, he was out there a little bit today with the first.
0: That tight end's going to be an important position, so get these guys reps.
1: Yeah. Uh, have you seen much of uh, Harrison Bright? I haven't really seen him. I heard his name mentioned, but I haven't really seen him out there.
0: Yeah, he had a pretty, uh, big catch over the middle today that I saw. So, like I said, they're going to try to get these guys in. So you've got... The few tight ends that you're trying to figure out, all right, we know that Austin Hooper is going to be in there. We obviously know that David Njoku has the talent. He's got to put together the talent and the performance now. That's always kind of been the toughest thing for him. But then also you've got, like we mentioned, Stephen Carlson. You've got Farrell Brown. You've got Harrison Bryant. You know, so you have five tight ends right now out there. Could the Browns keep four? Very possible. Mm. Do we get an extra two places on the roster this year or not? So the, the way they're doing it this year is they're having that extra active offensive lineman position. So the way they're doing it this year is just a little bit different in years past where you have to have a minimum of eight people eligible on game day, and then there's the ones from the practice squad as we talked about yesterday, you can designate as active for game day. But again, like we met mentioned yesterday, you're talking about guys that will not likely be contributing to the main offensive and defensive game plan. They're more situational special teams things.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to the defense. The D-line today, I didn't see anything exciting or I couldn't really pick up anything.
0: So it's tough it's tough you know you can't really judge too much on D ends and D tackles if they're kind of only going half to be. Uh
1: interesting what uh, Matt Wilson said around Mac Wilson said around the linebacker group is being disrespected by outsiders and they're using that as a motivation.
0: I hope he's not considering me an outsider because I've talked about how our linebacking core is strong, is lacking in proven talent. That's how I'll say it.
1: Yes, fair enough. You, I think you've got every right to say it because when you look at ours actually on the NFF field, we have DJ Goodson,
0: the... T- Taki Taki, Mac Wilson... And um, the rookie, Jacob Phillips, not looking at a whole lot of NFL experience mm.
1: Yeah, I saw B.J. Uh, uh, BJ Goodson, Goodson. Um, cameras on him a few times.
0: Mm-hmm. He's the veteran. He's the one, you know, obviously coming over from Green Bay via the Giants earlier in his career. He's been around, so it's this is his chance. This is his chance to really make a name for himself and prove that he can be an every-down linebacker.
1: Yeah. I think um, where it starts getting interesting is, uh, I think we're going to use the word defensive backs this year more than uh, anything else.
0: I think Joe Woods is definitely a a coach very familiar with the secondary and the different cover adoptions available, whether, like I said yesterday, he's going with a cover one, cover three. You may even see some cover four quarters concepts. Um, It's one of those things where when you have that much talent at the cornerback and safety position that you're going to be able to do multiple things. You know, he was able to do a lot with guys in San Francisco. And if I'm not mistaken, even today, you saw him cycling the defensive backs from nickel. You had him going from Kevin Johnson to Donnie Lewis. Um, MJ Stewart was getting some reps in there. So they're trying to show that we have a little bit of depth, not only in on the outside on the boundary corners, but also inside. Because we went out and got Donovan Alumba, these big guys for the outside. Denzel Ward and Greedy aren't the biggest guys. So that, that nickel spot kind of role is going to be very important to the defense.
1: Yeah, what I uh, uh, read up about was uh, Kevin Johnson, Donnie Lewis, six-round pick, obviously not with this um, front office, and uh, MJ Stewart, all the three cornerbacks competing for the nickel back spot.
0: Yep, yep. And that's, like I said, that's just them trying to get those reps. Get those guys in there. MJ Stewart, second round pick, didn't really kind of pan out, got released. We brought him in off waivers earlier this month. So, let's see what he's got.
1: I keep getting muddled up with Kevin Johnson and uh, uh, Stewart Jr.
0: Kevin Johnson's the former first round pick that we brought in from Buffalo. He got drafted by the Texans. We paid him a lot more money than we did MJ Stewart.
1: Okay, cool. And, um, sorry, it's a Kevin Johnson was first round talent potentially.
0: Correct. He was drafted in the first round.
1: And Stuart, um, MJ Stewart.
0: Yeah, he was a second round pick.
1: What year was MJ Stewart?
0: He would have been twenty seventeen. I think he was. I think he's in his third year. I'll double check um, that, but I do. Kevin believe Johnson's
1: that. two years, isn't he?
0: No, Kevin Johnson's in his. He's already passed his rookie deal, so he's got to be in about his sixth year out of Wake Forest. I want to say he was in the twenty fifteen draft.
1: Yeah. And uh,
0: MJ Stewart, third year out of North Carolina.
1: And how are you finding the safeties looking at the moment? Any uh any thoughts or
0: it's 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 I'm gonna be able to determine a lot more of that tomorrow when they put the pads on. There a lot of it's going through the motions. You see guys out there. It's more about, like I said, just kind of the walkthroughs. I really do like what Kevin Stefanski's doing. And that's kind of the you know, the one thing I think we can expound on a little bit. And that's the part that I just – I really like what I'm seeing. The practices, just don't take that much out of them. I mean, Odell's going to look great going up against guys that aren't, you know, trying to jam them at the line. So you're going to see a lot of wild plays like you should. But overall, just take a good snapshot on how the team looks. Yeah. The,
1: um, the safeties is going to be really interesting. Do you see um, Delpit potentially um, uh, starting week one?
0: In specific packages against the Ravens, he very well could, especially if the Ravens go with a kind of a jumbo package with two tights. They use a lot of 21 and 22 personnel with uh, Gus Edwards and uh, Mark Ingram, and now they added J.K. Dobbins. So you very well could see Grant Delpit on the field week one. The thing with Delpit is he's, he's a player with an, an immense amount of talent. So now, specifically, what we have to do is harness that talent and find a scheme that's going to fit him best. Guys like the Honey Badger, you know, guys like Buda Baker, these were players that came out that people were like, wow, they're really good at certain things, but they got certain holes. Certain defensive uh, coordinators have been able to mask those and make Honey Badger into, you know, one of the top, you know, safeties in the league. This was a guy that was a Heisman candidate in college and didn't end up going to the third round.
1: Did you see, Craig – what was he called? Uh, Jets uh, defensive Greg coordinator. Williams. Yeah, talking about...
0: uh Kimball Adams.
1: Yeah. He's
0: going to get bored out there in Seattle. He's not lying, though. There's one thing about Greg Williams is he speaks his mind, and Seattle runs a pretty rudimentary scheme in terms of their secondary. And for all the people out there talking about Camp Chancellor and Earl Thomas, that was about three defensive coordinators ago, so.
1: All right, excellent. And, uh, yeah, anything else on the defence you want to talk about? Or We covered it already.
0: No, nah, I mean, like I said, it's practice.
1: Yeah, okay. And then uh, the kicking, uh, let's have a look at um, the fellow blonde mullet.
0: Sniper Cybert,
1: Austin Cyber. Yeah, he kicked seven for eight today. It is quite interesting, though. They haven't got a kicker giving him any competition.
0: Obviously, pre telling you what you need to know on that one. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think uh, the Scottish Hammer has any competition either. Yeah, he he
1: said that to me when Charlie
0: um, Hewitt's the only one that does.
1: Yeah, he, Scottish Hammer said that when I met him. He said that um, uh, the the uh, organization said we're not bringing anyone in. It's your job next year. So uh, yeah, that's good.
0: Freedom.
1: <laughs> I actually watched uh, Scottish Hammer with Nathan Zaguro today for the first time, talking about his uh, NFL um, Madden numbers. <laughs> Hearing Nathan Zagura uh, talking about rugby is a bit like me talking about American football, I guess. So uh,
0: I think Zagura's dad, though, I think was a big rugby player, though, so I think he does know a little bit about rugby. Unlike me, who knows absolutely nothing about rugby.
1: Monday, they reckon that the practice is going to be 10 o'clock, so 3 o'clock.
0: Um, UK. Yeah. Throw the pads on. Let's crack them up. You know, I think last last thing we'll kind of chat about is, I think if I'm giving the Browns fans – one thing to be encouraged by and that's Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, and even today Jimmy uh, and Dee Haslam had a little midi availability and there's a certain, there's certain things that I think the Browns are doing really well and that's, we're going to kind of bundle this up into a leadership thing. I know Paul, you've been a leader, you've managed people before. There's kind of five elements that I really think stand out with Kevin Stefanski that I really like not saying that other coaches didn't have elements of it, but I just really, these things stick out from Stepansky. His ability to engage the team. If you look, everybody in that practice looks engaged, all moving around, they're all participating. Uh, so I do really like that. When he talks, you can tell that his mind is already envisioning how this team is going to look. So the whole thing with Alex Van Pelt, who's calling plays, how Joe Woods is going to run the defense. Andrew Barry's giving him players where when their vision, how they see the team is going to start coming together. The Steelers, the Ravens, all the top teams in the league have done this. They have their vision of what the team's going to look like, and they go get the talent that fits that. So those are the things I really like. To, uh, really like. I think they're doing a great job equipping the guys with the ability to, you know, learn on the fly. Like we mentioned, Jedrick Willis getting pulled out and saying, hey, Bill Callahan, Figure this out. What did you see? Walk that through that. Because if we want these guys to succeed, you have to equip them with the right tools to be successful. So I really like that about the coaching staff the repetitions, the repetitions, the repetitions. You know, you've got to get these guys to execute on Sunday. You know, as you know, in anybody in a leadership position, the more repetitions you have, the 10,000 hours concept. You know, Joe Thomas, I think, specifically mentioned about Jedrick Wills that he's going to get more snaps just from the time he was drafted to week one than he probably did in a year and a half at college. So it's an encouraging thing for me. I just, I like the positivity surrounding the team. I like the fact that, you know, in years past people have talked about the team as being very kind of sluggish. The practices didn't always look the most organized. You know, one of the things I remember when the Browns were coached at the senior bowl, this team just didn't look like they knew what they were doing. That, that perception at Berea right now is completely different. Look at all the people that cover the team. They're like, for guys that were in a pandemic that have never done this before and all this stuff, they're humming on all cylinders. I think that's a great sign. We're looking for something to really take away from these practices. I think it looks to the top. An area the Browns have really been lacking lately is leadership. And I think we got some guys that are really setting the tone, setting the culture. It's about work.
1: Yeah, I've got to say, it feels very fast watching, I don't know, that was the editing they were doing or but it seems very fast before previously um obviously watching Hugh Jackson Freddy Kitchens in the past um it seems to be a very rapid and getting things done very quickly I agree all right so yeah pads on uh pads on tomorrow and um yeah let's do another catch up tomorrow hopefully all the listeners are enjoying the podcast any questions let us know give us a shout
0: absolutely and most importantly go browns
1: go browns